day. Yeah, David's coming to babysit because mommy and daddy are going somewhere called a mosque. I have no idea what that is. It's like a church for people that have a different religion than we do, who are Muslim. That doesn't make any sense. Well, we're Christians, and we love our neighbors, even if they don't believe all the same things that we do. That's okay. So we want to learn more about it. So that's why we're going to visit. All right. I love you. Be good, okay? Okay. Give me a kiss. Uncle David's here. I hear him knocking. (laughs) It's universal. We fear the unknown. How do we move beyond what scares us? What if something beautiful is waiting on the other side? I'm your host, Erin Wilson, Preemptive Love Senior Field Editor in Iraq, and you're listening to the Love Anyway podcast. For nearly six years, I've spent my professional and personal life in Iraq, a predominantly Muslim country. But as assaults and hate crimes against Muslims continue to rise in Western and predominantly Christian countries, I've asked myself one question. Why? This is Episode 3, The Mosque Visit. Fear can have ugly impacts on humanity. It's sneaky. It can paralyze us, or in most extreme examples, catalyze us into violence. In fact, the number of assaults against Muslims in the United States rose significantly during the last presidential campaign, easily surpassing the previous modern peak reached in 2001, the year of the September 11th terrorist attacks. This according to a Pew Research Center analysis of hate crime statistics from the FBI. But fear doesn't have to win this war of us versus them. Maybe love can bridge the unknown, taking us out of fear and into the beautiful reality that we really do belong to each other. Last year, we started brainstorming what it would look like to do something tangible, something practical, about the fear that drives Islamophobia. So I asked our podcast producer, Kayla Craig, if she'd try something she'd never done before and visit her local mosque. Kayla's a Christian, and her husband is a pastor. They have Muslim friends and neighbors, but they'd never taken this step. It was an easy yes for me. But as our production schedule started rolling and the deadline of the mosque visit started looming, I realized my anxiety was mounting. I was afraid. Afraid of saying the wrong thing, doing the wrong thing, being offensive. So I was there, thinking about this, sitting at my computer in a coffee shop in the middle of Iowa when I saw the news. New Zealand is a nation stricken tonight. A self-declared white supremacist gunned down Muslims at prayer today, striking terror into a country where police rarely carry guns. The massacre in the city of Christchurch left at least 49 people dead and another 48 wounded. Our preemptive love team was devastated, sickened and angry. We gathered on a call from our many corners of the world to lament and to ask, what now? Poet, activist, and preemptive love artist-in-residence Jason Petty, also known as Propaganda, said what many of us were feeling that day. The thought has never crossed my mind with as many like Muslim friends as I have to never step, really step into their mosque but it's more out of respect that that was a sacred space for you, you know, and just like, that's your world. So it's out of respect, but I think that this moment 
made me examine like, okay, so really how altruistic is that feeling? Like, do I really, am I really doing that for them? Or is there a little bit of like fear around this? You know what I'm saying? And I think this moment of just being like, you know what, man, in my mind, I was offering a service that was never asked of me. Hey man, I'm going to jump this like invisible wall that I made up in my head. Look, man, yo, this, this, this really sucks. How could we begin to express our sorrow for the loss of 50 people gathered for Friday prayers at two New Zealand mosques? I realized that everything had been hypothetical to me. Here I was, getting stuck in the fear of the unknown, and in my privilege as a white Christian woman, I was blind. And in many ways, I still am, to the real fear that many of my Muslim brothers and sisters around the world carry every single day. Houses of worship were attacked in the name of hate. It was and is unimaginable for most of us. Meanwhile, Kayla was at home, the phone number of the local Islamic center staring back at her on her laptop screen. I followed Aaron's suggestion to call and ask permission to visit, to show my support, sorrow, and solidarity to my Muslim neighbors after the attacks. The voice on the other end said, yes, of course, come anytime. My local colleague, Lindsay, had this idea of writing encouraging messages on the sidewalk. So after getting permission from the imam, the Islamic equivalent to a pastor, I drove to the store to pick up sidewalk chalk, and I asked my husband, Johnny, to pile the kids into the van to meet us there. It was such a small thing. That was my first introduction to the mosque, was writing messages like, we love you, we're praying for you, and our world is better with you in it, on the paths in front of the Islamic Center. It was a Friday, and we didn't want to interrupt their prayer service, so we stayed outside. A few men who had been worshiping came outside after the prayer service. We asked one of them what we could do as Christians and as neighbors to support them. He said, this is enough. Thank you for this unity. And then after expressing so much love and so much appreciation and support, he noted something else. With a gentleness in his voice, he said, unity always happens when there's something bad. Maybe one day there will be unity when everything is good. I haven't stopped thinking about that. That Friday visit paved the way. It built a little bit of trust. A few weeks later, it was time for Kayla to take another step. As it turns out, Kayla wasn't the only one thinking of visiting a mosque after the New Zealand shooting. Two states away, in Indiana, preemptive love editor Kim Moreau and her friends Shannon Martin and Laura Pontius decided to ask if they could join Friday prayers at a local mosque in South Bend. Thanks for driving. We're supposed to ask for Imam Muhammad when we go there. I don't know who we And they weren't entirely ready for what greeted them when they got there. Interesting, there's a police officer That's here. Odd. So- we'll be right back. Hi, I'm Lindsay Hornbaker, Grant Officer with Preemptive Love. My favorite item in our shop is the Love Anyway Heart Dot Journal Pack. Whether it's a grant proposal or a blog post, when I write, I get to notice and celebrate the beauty in the world as it is. And I also give myself the gift of dreaming what the world might someday be. I feel good about my purchase because I know it's going to empower women, men, and children who are impacted by violence. You can get your own journal along with other items like apparel, candles, and accessories at preemptivelove.shop. Use the code PODCAST for 20% off one item. Okay, back to the story. 
you had mentioned before, and I'm going to mess up this word, but ablution, ablution. Yeah. I think I was saying evolution. <laughs> okay. Yeah, so. that sounds better. The day before Kayla and her husband Johnny attended an open house at their local mosque in Des Moines, Iowa, Kayla decided to call a friend for advice. Sadia Qureshi works as a frontline coordinator for Preemptive Love. Sadia is a practicing Muslim, and together she and Kayla chatted about what to expect when visiting a mosque as a non-Muslim. So, Sadia, something that I am preparing to do for the first time in my life is go to a mosque. And the biggest hang-up that I feel like I've had is I'm afraid of being offensive and of, like, putting myself somewhere where it's not respectful to do so. Like, I don't want to go in and be like, oh, I'm this white majority culture Christian inviting myself in and... You know, I don't ever want anybody to feel uncomfortable. So what do you think about that? Um, I think it's a normal, natural feeling that you're having. Like, I think I would have the same feeling going into another, you know, area where people practice their faith. But I I think that once you go, you'll realize it's not like that. Like, we love it when people come. We do. Mm -hmm. We really do. Because we get to, like, show ourselves and display our... Um, hospitality, because that's a a big thing in our culture and religion. And I think you'll be pleasantly surprised and there's nothing to worry about. You know, I did not even realize that the day of worship is typically a Friday. Those are things that I just didn't even know. And so I was wondering if you could walk me through what happens on a Friday at a mosque, at least at your mosque. Okay. So, um, like you said, Friday is our day of worship. And if you go to a mosque, usually there's way more men than women, just because women are busy doing kid things, picking up, dropping off or whatever. Um, but it like everybody should go, but men are required to go. There'll be a call, call to prayer, which probably everybody has heard. And then there'll be a short sermon where the um, the imam, and that's like our version of a priest. Um, he gets up and he, you know, talks about something, a story in the Quran or something in the news that happened, whatever. And then um, after the sermon slash speech part, then we do the actual like ritual prayer, and um, it's it. The whole thing is maybe half an hour, depending on how long your imam talks or whatever. Um, And then after that, everybody just goes home. So when my husband and I are planning what to wear when we visit a mosque, um, do you have any like tips what we should keep in mind? It can be intimidating stepping into the unknown, into a culture or a religious tradition different from our own. For Kayla, as well as Kim and her friends, one of the most basic questions they had before visiting a mosque was, what am I supposed to wear? Here's Sadia again. Because you're not Muslim, nobody's going to require, nobody's going to say anything, I don't believe. Or they. I feel like they shouldn't, but it depends on your mosque. But um, just like any general place of worship, dress respectfully. Um, and for us, you have, part of that respect is being modest. 
So like, um, you know, loose clothes um, for men and women. As a woman, is it respectful or, you know, to bring a scarf or some sort of head covering? How would I go about, you know, even doing that? Like I said, because you are not Muslim, it's not expected of you. But if you feel like you'd want to be respectful, then, you know, a scarf loosely tied around your head is fine. Um, you know, some some Muslim women don't wear scarves. And uh, even for them, like, uh, usually mosques have extra scarves um, that they have available. So if, you, if you're like, oh, my God, you're out, outside the mosque, you're like, oh, my God, I forgot my scarf. Uh, <laughs> it's okay. It's not a big deal. So are there any traditional greetings or appropriate ways to enter in um yeah so muslims traditionally greet each other with salamu alaikum which means peace be upon you and um so you could say that if you if you want to and like but you're not muslim so you don't have to it's like okay and uh some people so men and women usually don't shake their hands but some people are okay with shaking like a man shaking a woman's hand or a woman shaking um, a man's hand. So um, you just have to read the social cues. If you feel like he's not comfortable shaking your hand, um, you just put your hand on your heart or, you know, whatever, like whatever makes you comfortable. And you can totally call me anytime and be like, uh, what do I do now? Oh, I just appreciate that so much. And I, I just never want you to feel like you're in the hot seat and like speaking on behalf of all women who are Muslim. Like I never want you to feel that way. I know. I know. And I, I promise you, I am, my answers are like, I know my answers aren't probably correct, but I'm doing it to the best of my ability. And um, from my experience and I hope that it helped you and it helps others. Yeah. It was the day of the mosque visit for Kayla and her husband, Johnny. They'd gotten a sitter for the kids, canceled appointments and were ready to go. Okay. So we're here in the car. We're driving to the Islamic center and I'm here with my husband, Johnny. So what did you think when I first proposed the idea to you a couple months ago about um, visiting a mosque? I think I said, that sounds great. I hope you have fun visiting a mosque. Why was that your response? I've never been. I mean, it's a totally new thing for me. I barely have been to non-Protestant, you know, Christian worship. You know, just the, the idea of going to a place where everything is very different from a you know worshiping perspective than what I'm used to. Um, it just seems like rife with opportunity for awkwardness. When you were growing up, you had some neighbors who were Muslim. Yeah, I had um, some neighbors who were refugees from Bosnia and um, they were Muslim. And through that relationship, um, I just realized that there are a lot of varied expressions of Islam and what it means to be a Muslim, um, which shouldn't be surprising because that's how it is with, you know, Christianity and Judaism. But um, I think we have such stereotyped ideas of what other people are like. And so, um, yeah, that was helpful for me as a kid. But I, it's been a long time since I interacted on the regular with a Muslim person. I don't spend a lot of time 
you know, interacting with even people who are different cultural backgrounds than me, let alone religions. So um, I think there's always a, a some apprehension involved in that, but it's it's always good to step out and try to learn new things. 400 miles east, a similar conversation was playing out on the way to the mosque in South Bend, Indiana. Because really, I mean, all we have to go on, all I have to go on is what I've seen in TV and movies mm-hmm. and, you know. really limited, too. Yeah. Right, though. And so a lot of times we don't have the opportunity to even, to even notice those things if we're not. It's true. Right. If we're not outside of our own bubble yeah. in some way. Not, I didn't feel as nervous my first time visiting because I was visiting with a friend. And so I was able to yeah. share those, right. you know, anxieties and say, I'm wondering about this. And what yeah. should I do mm-hmm. about this? And it was mostly just like a lighthearted conversation. Yeah. Um, which I think is a beautiful way to go about it, you know, through friendship and through community members. Interesting. There's a police officer That's here. Odd. All right, we're recording. So this, did you say that this was a school? I think this building used to be a school. Yeah, okay, so we're coming in and there's a sign that says, welcome friends, please take off your shoes and stay a while. So I hope we're going through the right door. It's kind of dark. No, not the right door. (laughs) There are lots of doors. I don't think that's right either. Should we go to the side? No, here's a sign that says entrance. Here we go, we're opening the door. There's a bunch of shoes. There's, um, oh, that's cool. It's like built-in shelves with lots of shoes. So we're gonna take our shoes off and leave them here. Johnny, I hope you wore clean socks. I didn't. When you break it down, a Muslim prayer service isn't all that different from a church service. There's an invocation or a call to prayer There's a sermon, often reflecting on a portion of sacred text or something happening in the life of the community. There are personal and congregational prayers. And in the midst of it all, a diverse group of people with ordinary joys and concerns sharing life with one another. My name is Shahid Mahmoud. And why did you guys decide to do an open house? We do that a few times a year, uh, but this year after that New Zealand happened, um, an incident happened, we thought that it should be a good idea to let them, our neighbors to come in, talk to us. Uh, we feel this is, people doesn't know anything about Islam or they've never been to a mosque. So we want you know extend our invitation to them so they come in, they talk to us, have an open discussion. I think that's where we can resolve a lot of issues here. And this is my first time coming to a mosque. This is my husband, Johnny. And after the New Zealand shooting, we just... We were like, we need to learn more. We need to support our neighbors who are Muslims. I, I feel that we go to a lot of churches. I feel that open dialogue, having communication, because all three religions came from the same Abrahamic religion, right? From Abraham, it came Christianity, Judaism, and Islam, right? So there's a lot of similarities, a lot of regulations are the same. We do the same thing too. And if you, if you see a, a nun and my wife, you will not see that much a difference. Okay, so we're in the car. Um, It was a great time. And there were quite a few more people than maybe I thought there would be. After their mosque visits, both Kayla and her husband and Kim and her friends took some time on the drive home to process what they had just experienced. 
Is there anything that surprised you? I think probably the, when the um, when that gentleman said that there was twenty to thirty countries or something like that, and but and then also that he couldn't even tell you because when they come in, it's all in Arabic and they all pray the exact same way, and that was really interesting to think about um, that there's all this diversity, but like there's only one way to pray and so you don't even know who the person is to your right or your left it doesn't matter i think the christian church um could learn a lot from that you know we say that that's what we believe as well but there's um it was very like embodied i would say yeah. but it was really cool to see at the islamic center i was um I was just surprised at the layout. I wasn't sure what to expect. I, I had a feeling there would be a lot of hospitality. <laughs> and there was, I mean, so much food. And it, it was awesome. On their way home, Kim, Shannon, and Laura talked about the fear they felt going in and how some of that fear turned out to be real. Yet at the same time, not that big a deal. Thoughts were, you know, we were so nervous about doing things wrong. What if we go to the wrong place or sit in the wrong, you know, and we did some of that and it was okay. It felt like there was, you know, it was an atmosphere of grace that, you know, they have a certain way of doing things, but they don't expect us to necessarily. It honestly doesn't feel that much different from going to visit a church. Right. Like a church that you don't normally go to. But their mosque visit also featured a sobering reminder of what it's like to be Muslim in America today. When Kim and her friends first arrived, they noticed a police car parked outside the mosque. During the prayer service, they found out why and how, for this mosque, protection didn't come cheap. It wasn't something the community just automatically provided for their Muslim neighbors, not even after New Zealand. You know, at this mosque, they announced that we need donations for our policemen that we've asked right. to come. And because they're paying security for like four a week and they have volunteers to guard their doors. Well, and that, that was a recent measure that they yeah. had taken three weeks. Interesting, yeah. yeah. It's so sad. It In our incredibly connected world, someone we've never even met has the power to say a few words that can sow fear into our heads and hearts. But we have the power of response. We have the power to explore, to ask questions, to reach out to those different from us. We can spend time and make friends with those who don't look like us, who don't worship like us, and discover the world is so much richer than we knew. So the next time we hear a voice that tries to sow fear, there will be fewer dark pockets for those words to take hold. We belong to each other, and we want to hear your thoughts. When have you taken a step towards someone who practices a different faith than you? What did you learn? Email us at podcast at preemptivelove.org. You might just hear your stories in an upcoming episode. And visit our show notes at preemptivelove.org slash podcast, where you can grab our guide to visiting a mosque, watch how to tie a hijab, and listen to extended bonus audio from what you heard in this episode. You can also find a few discussion questions to get conversations started in your own community. We're Preemptive Love on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. In episode four, you'll travel with us once again, this time to the Mexico-US border, 
where we'll unpack what it looks like to stand with others. You'll hear from our colleague, Matt Malcolm, who traveled to places on the border like Tijuana and El Paso to listen to the experiences of men, women, and children seeking asylum. Until next time, this is Love Anyway, and I'm Erin Wilson. Thanks for listening. Hi, it's me again, Kayla Craig. As you heard on this episode, I'm a producer of the Love Anyway podcast, but I'm also a proud member of the Frontline Giving Community, where I know that every month, my gift is helping to stop the spread of violence and to end war through relief, jobs, and community. Learn more about how you can join us at loveanyway.org. The Love Anyway podcast is written and produced by Kayla Craig, Ben Irwin, and Aaron Wilson. Skip Matheny is our digital production director. Dylan Seals is our sound engineer. Jeremy Courtney, Jessica Courtney, and J.R. Pershall are executive producers. Special thanks to Sadia Qureshi, Propaganda, Johnny Craig, Asher Craig, Shannon Martin, Laura Pontius, Kim Moreau, and Shahad Mahmoud.